PR. It's not just a catchphrase. It's a passion. And it's a career. But sometimes, it can be a headache. So sit back and recover with this PR Hangover, a podcast of Grand Valley State University's chapter of PRSSA. I'm your host, Brady Mills, and this is probably the only hangover you'll ever look forward to. Welcome back. So happy to have you here. Mike Houston is on today, and Mike is the managing director and a partner at Lambert, which is a nationally renowned uh, public relations, investor relations agency. And he just has some great things to share when it comes to the world of investor relations, where kind of that, that spot where finance and communications meet. I think for us students, and we talk about this in the interview, I, I think uh, students studying communications a lot of times forget about you know, that whole sphere of things, or, or we're afraid to touch it. I know there's been parts of my life where I just, I don't want to even dive into the stock market because that sounds scary. Uh, but this is what this podcast is for. And if we can familiarize ourselves with these things, it's, it's going to be very beneficial and, and healthy for us in the long run. Now, just as a disclaimer, Mike uses a lot of terms in this episode that I have to be honest, I, I needed to refresh myself on. And, and I know that the listeners will need to as well. And these are finance terms, market terms, all the good stuff. So today I invited my good friend Landon Clausing on the show. Landon is the president of the Investment Portfolio Organization through the Seedman College of Business at Grand Valley State University. Uh, and he is an incredible student. He's a great leader. He's had some really well-versed internship experience, and he just knows his stuff. So Landon's hopping on here today, and a fun little connection with Landon is that his sister is actually married to my brother. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my brother-in-law-in-law, Landon Clausing. Landon, thanks for being on here. If you could real quick just tell the listeners, what is it you do, what's your current position, and uh, how does it apply? Yeah. Yeah, Brady. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. So what I'm doing this summer, I'm working for Alliance Bernstein, uh, which is an asset management firm that recently moved their headquarters from New York to Nashville. So I'm working out of their Nashville office currently. Um, and I am on their, one of their investment groups there. Uh, I focus on the client group, but so I'm, I'm kind of the middleman. Um, I, I talk a lot with the investment team, but I'm also helping with uh, the sales roles of the firm as well. So uh, pretty nerdy, pretty interesting. Uh, it's a good time. For sure. Yeah. Well, Landon, I'm pumped to have you today. Um, want to just quick ask you some questions. Um, I, I mentioned this to the listeners, but, you know, Mike in the show uses a lot of terms that, you know, us PR folks might not be too well versed in. And so we're just going to go back to basics on stocks and market, all that. I just want to get quick definitions from you. Um, you being a student who's also kind of an expert in this, um, you can get a little bit of the best of both worlds and hope <laughs> us understand better too. So, Let's just start off real basic. Um, what is a stock? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I could consider myself an expert, but I hope someone here learns something. Um, so yeah, what's a stock? I mean, the easiest way to think of it is like, it's it's part ownership of a company, right? I mean, I could walk you through the whole, like a company going private to public, right? And when they when they go from a privately held company, like a Meyer per se is a privately held company and a steel case is like a public company, right? So when steel case went public, therefore individuals like us could buy, a share, right? A stock. They can buy stock in the company because they believe in the long-term um, revenue generation of that company, right? So a good example is Steelcase, one of the biggest public companies in Grand Rapids. You can go buy a share of Steelcase um, just because you're like, okay, well, I like Steelcase. I like what they're doing. I think I can buy into that company. And you're you're actually a part owner. I think that's the key thing to understand with a stock. Like a lot of people think it's just like this mysterious 
you own a stock. Well, you're actually a part owner of that company, right? So some of the biggest stockholders of Steelcase are the founders, right? And the more stocks you own, honestly, the more influence you have. You own, If you own a share in Steelcase, you can technically vote um, for big changes within the company. It's, it's So that's kind of the part of owning a stock that I think is very essential to understand. For sure. Thank you. Um, if you could, I mean, you touched on it already, but just define real quick the difference between a private and public company. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a ton there. I think the biggest difference obviously is a privately held company. Um, the general public cannot buy ownership into a privately held company. Right. So usually, you know, how a business starts, it's usually a person or two or a family, whatever it is, they start a company and they own that company. So all the rights, all the voting powers, all the decisions is in the hands of the owners. Right. When you go public, usually that entails um, a board of directors. Um, usually you're way more in the media. There's way more spotlight on you. Um, a lot more research analysts are analyzing, okay, is Steelcase a good buy? Right. So then your role of running that company changes from, okay, I just have the interest of the company in mind to when you go public. I think the biggest change to understand is when public versus private is when you're a publicly held company, you're mainly there to appease the shareholders. Right. So again, if Steelcase's executives and board of directors are there to go, okay, we have to make sure the shareholders are happy. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's the key difference there. No, that, that really helps. So shareholder then, is that the same thing as an investor? Yes, exactly. So those are synonymous. That, that's helpful to know. Um, and then how about the term M&A? What does that mean? We throw that yeah. around. Um, so M&A is obviously short for mergers and acquisitions. Um, it's very broad. There's a ton there. Um, I think like like the the dumbed down part to understand is it's just companies buying and selling each other buying and selling each other. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on there. There's very small transactions. So like in Grand Rapids, a lot of the industrial and manufacturing distribution firms in the area, um, they buy and sell each other like pretty frequently. Um, and there's about three to four private equity firms in the area that specialize in buying those companies. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a Grand Rapids out there. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate the Grand Rapids connections. That really, that brings it home. Uh, okay. So Robin Hood, we hear that term gets thrown around. What is that? What's Robin Hood? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Robinhood's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's just like a platform where you can buy and sell shares of companies. Robinhood came out and said, Hey, we're just going to offer the service to be able, people, people to buy and sell shares of companies, um, for no fees at all. Right. So Robinhood in essence, changed the game, um, in, in that sense. And then when Robinhood came out and did that, and when they started getting popular, all the other brokerage firms came out and also took their fees to zero. Um, which was a very big deal a couple of years ago, really changed up a lot of things. So if that, if, if that kind of helps. Um, no, so yes, they're, they're broken firm. You broke that down so well. No, I, I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Cool. Uh, and let me let me just say, it's really nice having you on here because I think a lot of people in the communications world forget that uh, the finance world, all <laughs> that is actually exciting to people. And so it's really cool to hear your passion come through on this because that's a fresh reminder for all of us. Uh, so thank you so much for being on, Lane. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, feel free to ask me any more questions if you want to reach out. So with that, sit tight, relax, keep doing whatever you're doing while you're listening, but uh, really just pay attention because at the end there, Mike really discusses some specific opportunities for us students, whether that be in Lambert or educating ourselves about this whole realm. And finance majors, if you ended up here, I, I hope you stay because Mike has some background coming from finance, entering the communications world. And to him, it's his career is like this mix of his personality and his analytics, and it's just a great thing. So without further ado, Mike Houston. 
All righty. Welcome, everyone. Uh, today, we've got, as I said, Mike Houston. Mike is the managing director and a partner at Lambert. He does a lot of work in invest, investor relations, which is primarily what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and, and Mike Mike will get into that, what that means, what that means for him, why he likes it, why we should care. But without further ado, welcome, Mike. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thank you, Brady. I'm excited to be on and, and talk about such an exciting topic such as investor relations. So thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell you what, we students, we need it. I think we, we uh, narrow our focus when we're in public relations and we forget all the different aspects we can explore. So we're excited to have you. Uh, and I would just like to ask the guests before you know, we really dive into it. Like, who, who is Mike Houston? If you could just give us a background, um, whether that be career, whether that be personal life, family, hobbies, just give us a taste of who you are. I, so I grew up in Michigan, uh, kind of between Lansing and Jackson there, went to school at Michigan State University. Uh, so Michigander through and through. Uh, worked in the Grand Rapids office at Lambert for a number of years, uh, but then had an opportunity to take a position with Ancestry.com as they were looking to go public. Um, so I you know, picked up my family and, and everybody and, and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. Uh, and in reality, my wife is from Salt Lake City, so it worked out well. All her family's out here, and, and I quickly learned to appreciate the mountains and the outdoors. And so now, I guess maybe more on a personal note, I've, I picked up cycling, so road cycling, mountain biking. Uh, we've got kayaks. We'd love to go to the reservoir, you know, frequently over the summer to try to get away from the heat here in the valley. Uh, but then even skiing, too. So there's really some awesome skiing out here that you know, I've, I've been to Boyne and Cabra Fay and all the places there in Michigan, but it doesn't compare to out here. So uh, it's, it's, it's been great, you know, living out here. And, and, and I've, I've lived out here for about eight years now. Uh, but going back to Ancestry, long story short, uh, they didn't end up going public. So found my way back to Lambert about five years ago to lead the capital markets practice group. Uh, so, so here I am back to Lambert, but working from home here in Salt Lake, uh, even before it was cool, even before the pandemic, right? And so would travel to Grand Rapids and Detroit and some of our other offices quite frequently uh, before the pandemic. And, and now starting to transition back into that. But it's it's been interesting just being home, you know, all day every day, and, and just working out of the home office. So I'm, which I'm sure all the listeners are too. So, but before we even got into it, you you had this down. So that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had it down, but maybe I had a little bit more experience than than others, right? So <laughs> for sure, I, I also like the sentence you said. Um, we go kayaking in the reservoir to escape the heat in the valley. That just sounds like a dream, right there. <laughs> like oh, wow. It is, well, it, just to kind of have all the mountains in the background, like I, I, so I've been here for eight years, like I said, but I still just stare at the mountains and just, I can't get enough of them. Right. So awesome. especially growing up in Michigan, but yeah, that sounds, wow. Well, awesome. I mean, you just, you just touched on your um, career endeavors a little bit, but um, in that, you know, so you've, you've, you've hopped around a little bit. Um, could you just like touch on what PR specialties or Things you've worked in specifically, obviously investor relations. Is there anything else that you found yourself doing a lot of? It's it's been heavy investor relations in my career, but I, I think sprinkled in with a little bit of public relations. So I, I did a bit at Ancestry uh, to where th we had a big team, right? And we had a lot of consultants that we worked with. But within that team, uh, one of my focal areas was the Ancestry DNA product. So you you spit in a tube, you you put the tube back in the envelope, mail it to Ancestry, and and they're able to analyze your DNA and serve up other family members that you probably didn't even know existed, right? So that's a big part of knowing your ancestry, but then also to knowing your heritage. 
And so telling that story around, you know, what, uh, what, what your heritage is, right? Where, where your DNA comes from. If you could think that you're, you know, hundred percent from Germany, but in reality, it's, you know, probably Eastern Europe or other places or, so it's, it's a really good way to help enable people to make connections. Um, so we, we can help tell that story on the PR side, but then also to the technology story. So if you think about it, and today, I mean, there's millions of people that have taken this ancestry DNA test, but each time you get a new test, you have to run it against those millions of people that have already taken the test to see if there's any type of matches within that DNA string. So you're going through petabytes of data. And so oftentimes, individuals maybe don't think of Ancestry.com as a technology story or company, but in reality, they, they're sitting on a wealth of data. And it was really fun being able to tell that story while I was there. So you know, a little bit of corporate communication, some PR, especially now within Lambert, we, we do PR for private equity firms, for venture capital agents, uh, venture capital funds. And so we're able to, again, tell a story that maybe you don't get to tell every day. And, and I think that's maybe what's most exciting about PR and for that matter, IR as well. Hmm. Uh, and, and before we get into IR, if you could just compare a little bit um, that in-house corporate communications versus your agency work at Lambert, how has that been? Uh, I think that's a big question for a lot of students is, you know, do I want to stick with one place, one company and their benefits and drawbacks there? And, or do I want to do the agency life? How's that been for you? There's definitely puts and takes, uh, and I, I guess at a high level, I would recommend doing both because uh, that's really the only way you're going to determine whether or not it's a good fit for you, uh, either the in-house or the agency side. And so, again, maybe from a 30,000-foot view, at an agency, you get a variety of work every day, um, and it's it's a breadth of variety, It's and, and not just in the sense of a particular industry, but across industries, across different company sizes, even too. And so it's it's really good to, I mean, maybe get your feet wet in a variety of different things and, and figure out maybe what you're most passionate about. And you could potentially parlay that into an in-house opportunity where very focused, uh, and I think it depends on kind of the size of the company too, maybe smaller companies, you're wearing more hats, but you're, you don't see as many kind of random things come across your desk as you would at an agency, right? So typical day in the life for me could be a, an activist shareholder that has just accumulated a lot of shares and, and they want the board of directors to change or they want different management in there. It could be reporting quarterly earnings and figuring out what those key themes and messages are. Um, it could be drafting an annual report or a shareholder letter um, M&A activity to where a client wants to purchase another company or they're looking to raise capital. And so ideally, you're not going to see all those things within a, a, an in-house gig. Uh, but again, that maybe that agency experience lets you dabble in a lot of things and really determine whether or not you want to try to be a you know, master of a couple of things and, and really be proficient at that. Or I guess on my end, I, I found that I really like that agency work. And so maybe I'm a you know, practitioner on a lot of things and master of nothing, but I, I'm still okay with that to where I, I get to see such a variety of work uh, every day and, and dig into those things that, that I'm passionate about. Absolutely. And do you feel like, and maybe this is a leading question, but do you feel like at an agency, it's, it's rounded you out more as a professional because you're doing all those different things? I do. And, and I think it, it really helped kind of market myself as I was on the in-house side at Ancestry and and at another NASDAQ listed company that has since sold, but uh, you're able to, I guess, merchandise some of that activity that you've had and some of the things that you've seen 
And in an in-house gig, you can ideally take that to the next level and really dig into, you know, maybe it is like, for instance, of taking a company public, right? And and in my career, partnering with Ancestry to be able to to go down that path and and really take a deeper dive into what that means through the company's viewpoint, right? As opposed to just an outside consultant. So, like I said, there's puts and takes for both, but of course I'm biased and I've, I've ended up back at the agency and, I, and I, I've learned that that's what I really love. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, okay, so so jumping right in then, um, what what is investor relations? If you could just break that down for us. So surprisingly, there are a lot of overlapping fundamentals with investor relations and public relations, uh, because similar with, with public relations, you're you're identifying what that value proposition is, right? Or, and, and also at the same time, figuring out who those target audiences are that you wanna to communicate to. Uh, but then you're also developing those key messages, those pitches that you wanna be able to share and, and trying to figure out what, what that narrative is that's gonna resonate with your target audience. And you're also collaborating with a variety of teams, right? So in public relations, you're gonna have marketing, you're probably gonna have legal in there too to make sure you're gonna have corporate communications and similar with investor relations. We've got, as we draft those quarterly earnings announcements, uh, we've got marketing in there. We've got the CEO, the CFO, the finance team, the legal team, the accounting team. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a diverse kind of group that you're collaborating with, with really the end goal being generating awareness and engagement, right? And so investor relations will do it a little bit differently to where we're communicating with investors, right? And we're trying to effectively connect those companies with capital. So for a publicly traded company, it could be trying to find a long-term institutional investor or a, a large investor that is gonna stick with the company by you know, a million shares at a time versus you and I that would maybe buy like five. Uh, but then also too, we're, we're helping some of those startup companies that are looking to raise their first round of capital and have a fascinating concept, idea, or product. And we're helping them raise that capital with investors such that, again, they can use that capital to grow and, and maybe someday become a publicly traded company. Okay. So, and, and obviously I'm, I'm going to be asking these questions from trying to go outside the sphere of investor relations coming into it, uh, just, just to help us get the most basic understanding of it. But um, I guess a question about the target audience, because that's something we can all kind of connect on. So yeah. have you found that in investor relations, you've had to really, uh, I know there's like a very specific, I don't want to, I don't know if the voice is the right word, but that's a distinct community when you're talking um, shareholders and, and yeah. how you communicate with them. Have you found that getting into that, that was like, that was a big shift for you to, to try to, you know, work into that, that community and that personality, that target audience, or has that been similar to any other type of public relations I, a background in finance or accounting helps dramatically. Uh, so I, I graduated with a finance degree um, and just kind of stumbled into investor relations. I didn't even know it existed. Um, I, I wanted to be an attorney since the seventh grade, which is kind of a, a perversion in and of itself. But you know, I, I love the analytical side, but also the creative side that, that you could have in the writing. And so I, I found that in investor relations. And so Really, all that to say, uh, the audiences within investor relations are are different, right? Especially with these institutional investors. So you think of like Goldman Sachs or the Bank of America, these big asset managers that are managing billions and billions of dollars, sometimes trillions of dollars, very sophisticated and really want to ask questions that one, helps them understand the strategy of the company, 
but then two, the underlying financials of it and the story that that tells. So you 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 need to have a good grasp on you know, what is an income statement, right? And how does that interact with the balance sheet and the statement of cash flows? And and so that's not to say that a PR person couldn't you know dabble in IR, but it it, it definitely helps, right? So I I think really where the maybe the overlap is between IR and PR is really that strategic sliver, right? And so if, if you're really able to understand strategy, how to communicate it, and really how to formulate it with a management team, I think that's really where the, the two worlds between IR and PR can really coexist. Okay, so, and this is probably a similar answer, but why, why should we care about IR? Like, why is that something that should even be on our radar as people who are not studying finance and maybe a little bit intimidated by that? Yeah, fantastic question. And more often than not, especially if you're in an in-house role, and, and quite honestly, even if you're at an agency, those companies these need capital to grow. And so you're you could be working at a publicly traded company and and working as a PR person within that public company, and to really understand kind of how the capital markets work, but then also too, what is the CEO and the CFO sharing with not just their investors but with employees with news outlets, you know, across the audience spectrum to have a good understanding of, of how the capital markets and even having investors in your company, how that impacts how you're messaging is critically important, right? So that's why we, we partner with even, you know, the startup companies or even kind of well-established privately held companies. It's clear that those in-house PR people have at least a basic understanding of kind of what that strategy is and how to communicate it to to investors to a degree, right? And and maybe that's where we come in to help supplement that. But it's it's critical to understand that strategy and how you communicate it to the broadest audience possible to really have that value that I think many employers are looking for today. And have you found you touched on communication with management a little bit? And and one of the things we learn about in our classes are the importance of being able to communicate with that C suite and get get the C suite. Um, even if you want to explain what the C-suite is for our listeners that don't know, but um, you know, how, how do we appeal to them as communications professionals? Have you, have you found that investor relations is a key role in, in helping with that? It absolutely is, especially for publicly traded companies, maybe a little bit less so for kind of your startups or your privately held companies, but it's still important. Uh, so the C-suite, right? So that's everybody that has a C in their title. So chief executive officer, chief financial officer, marketing officer, Revenue officer, right? The, the list continues to grow, it seems like. But so those, the management team that's that's leading the company and get, kind of guiding the strategy, I think it's critical to be able, especially as communications professionals, to one, understand what that strategy is, but then two, to ask questions that ideally lead to adding value to that strategy, right? So as you really understand what that strategy is and, and how to communicate it, Ideally, you're also finding ways to try to make it better or to communicate it better, right? Because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, even on the investor relations side, as we work with a company and, and, and develop an investor presentation, that investor presentation changes every quarter, not just because the numbers change, but also too, because the company evolves and the strategy evolves. And so to be able to, again, be able to have that level of understanding and communicate with the CEO and the CFO around you know, how that strategy changes and, and, and maybe some of the pitfalls with, with changes in strategy, I think really adds a lot of value to not just your career, but to what you can add to the company. And, and the C-suite will definitely 
see that and and uh, ideally reward you accordingly, right? Well, and I think in in practice anyway, for us communication professionals, it's important to know you know who are you speaking to, and if you're if you're trying to speak to the C-suite, then you got to speak their language. Uh, and if you could touch on, and I know we've chatted about this before, but you know, a lot of a lot of students, young professionals in communications want to just uh, classify or go, go off their gut, uh, go off their feelings, go off, oh, this is a cute social media post, you know, or, or something yeah. like that. Um, whereas you're talking a lot more of strategy and numbers-based thinking. Um, could you just like compare and contrast those two a little bit and how those play out? And I don't want to diminish kind of the social media role because we've got social media strategists within Lambert. They're phenomenal. And I, I maybe understand a 10th of what they're talking about, right? And how to really build out that social media strategy because that's a critical audience, right? But I think maybe what you're talking to is, uh, you know, just trying to, I guess, within our own personal social media, right? And and maybe trying to- yeah, um, Social media as a loose example of that, yeah. you know, more feelings-based um, production. I guess. Gotcha. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point because it, it ties back to business outcomes. Right. And again, if you want to be able to communicate with the C-suite or even senior management, you, you need to be able to talk in terms of business outcomes as opposed to maybe number of likes or sometimes even impressions too, let's be honest, and, and really kind of have an understanding of what those key performance indicators are that the C-suite's looking at and understand what those are and Furthermore, understand kind of how your role impacts those too, right? So I think, you know, going back to your example as a PR professional, you know, at, at, out, out of school, then, you know, that social media component is important, but I think also too, again, understanding the strategy, how you communicate it, um, building relationships with the media. Um, and yeah, I, I, I ran across a stat recently uh, that basically said there are six PR professionals for every journalist in the United States. So you're, I mean, that's, journalists are becoming a scarce resource, right? And so we're needing to get more and more creative with how we interact with them, but then even to build stories and coverage and help them, right? Because these news bureaus continue to get smaller. And so again, being well-rounded and and understanding that strategy and social media and just really all the components that go into PR is going to be critical, right? And, and the numbers and the strategy is just one of those many tools, ideally, that you've got in your toolbox to, to help you in your career. So for the student who's looking to, I mean, consider diving into this and at least just getting familiar, it's a it's a big thing uh, when you're looking outside of it to, to step into. So how do you suggest we go about just beginning the learning process in the world of markets and investor relations? Yeah, that, great question. Um, and maybe a, a side plug here, but we've we've spun out a sister company out of Lambert called Ticker. So T-I-I-C-K-E-R. So two I's for individual investor. Um, and I share that because really what we're trying to accomplish there is one, empowering publicly traded companies to know who their individual investors are, like you and I, that maybe only have five shares of Facebook and that's it. Uh, but then also too, empowering individual investors to understand the capital markets better. Because there's a lot of mystery around it to where maybe if you don't know what a PE ratio is or market cap, then you're less likely to open a Robinhood account and say, yeah, I want to buy these three stocks. Well, in reality, Ticker and that platform and the premise behind it is, is trying to empower individual investors to discover the brands that they love. So for instance, you go to Meyer and you're going down the aisle and you see a bunch of different cereal brands, right? 
reality, General Mills and, and, and others and, uh, are publicly traded, right? And so if you're always buying, you know, using a different example, always buying the newest Apple, iPhone, iPad product, but you're not a shareholder, you should probably ask yourself, well, why not? Like, it doesn't matter that you don't know what their PE ratio is or market cap or what they stated their last earnings call. If you're always buying their new products, then why not be a shareholder? Why not I'll be an owner in the company, right? And so I, I think helping demystify some of those capital markets and, and really um, doing some research in that way of seeing who those public companies are, who those brands are that you love and what part of those publicly traded companies uh, they're a part of, I, I think would go a, a, a long way to understanding kind of those capital markets as well. But to be honest, investor relations, I didn't even know it existed until I applied for a job, you know, in Scottsdale, Arizona, a number of years ago when I first started, right? And and so in that same vein, I mean, I'm always happy to be a resource. And I know others on the on the capital markets team at Lambert are as well, just to, you know, ask questions. I mean, we, we love that, right? Because again, investor relations just isn't really widely known as to kind of what you do and how you do it. And so would love to, you know, have those conversations and because uh, I'm sure there's going to be a variety of questions, right, as to kind of how it might best fit into their you know, career vision as a, as a PR professional. So. Hmm. Well, thank you. Um, and, and like practically, um, and I, I know you briefly touched on this before with me, but um, does Lambert offer either like an internship opportunity or uh, more of a official way for students to learn about this that, you know, is, is a little bit more than just reaching out? Absolutely. Yep. So we, we've got a number of internships, not just in our Grand Rapids office, but our Detroit office. Um, you know, within Michigan there, right? And so there's there's always opportunities, not just on the investor relations side, but the, the public relations side, social media, web development, videography. You know, we, we've got a, a pretty diverse team of individuals that you can find a, a good fit there as it relates to a potential internship. And and we're fortunate enough to where we've, we've been growing, right? So we've been around for 23 years. We've grown every year, um, you know, either through acquisitions, adding new clients, you know, organically, right? Right. So um, we've always got that need to, to find great talent, you know, whether you're straight out of school or you, you, you've been doing this for 20, 30 years, we, we have that need. So, yeah, absolutely. I think our, uh, I think it's our careers page within Lambert.com. We've, we've also always got kind of updated uh, jobs that are available and, and can kind of go from there. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that is linked down below too, but thanks. Thank you for touching on that. Um, Okay, I, I want to ask you personally, what, what would you say lights your fire about investor relations? What, I mean, why, why are you passionate about it? What, what keeps you here? That's a good question. And I, and I talked a little bit about it, but I would say it's the, the balance between kind of the finance and the analytical, but then also the creative, right? So it's one thing to be what I affectionately call a spreadsheet jockey to where you're really good at Excel, you know, all the different shortcuts and everything else, and you can build a model like nobody's business. But to then have that understanding and actually translate that into a story that, I mean, not necessarily kind of in the PR sense where you're trying to spin something, but that, but more so because, I mean, we work within the framework of the SEC, so you can't spin things, right? But I think more in the sense of communicating a strategy and a story that investors actually understand, right? And so really what we're trying to do in investor relations is reduce the uncertainty and the volatility 
as opposed to maybe the other side is you yeah ideally we want to raise the stock price and and the volume that's traded every day but really where we're going to have the most impact is reducing that that volatility and that uncertainty and you could do that by crafting a solid story right and so I think that's really what attracts me is that analytical side of one really knowing kind of how the, all those financial statements, what the story is telling me, and then actually telling that in the form of a press release, an investor presentation, a call script that the CEOs and the CFOs read, um, and then even interacting with investors too, and 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 making sure that that narrative resonates in that particular quarter and, and making adjustments following that. Hmm. And then on the other side of things, what what would you say drains you about investor relations? Cool. Yeah, that's that's an even better question. Um, you know, I would say, and it, it's at times, but it, it really is kind of uh, your. It seems like you're always doing quarterly earnings reports because there's some companies that report on a calendar year, so you know it's these certain months. But then there's other companies that just don't. And so throughout the year, you're, you're usually working on at least one or two different quarterly earnings reports. So you really got to be passionate about taking the, the analytics, right, and making that story. Um, but then I think even, too, what could be draining, but I think sometimes gives me strength, is just the, the M&A activity. Uh, there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions announced to where you're working on these deals over the weekend, and you've got long days sometimes. And really working with the bankers and the lawyers and the management team to really figure out what that narrative should be. And so that can be draining from time to time. And so, especially in an agency setting, you got to be okay with that variety, but then even too, just the deluge of work that comes sometimes. And then ideally you revert back to the mean and, and you're, you're kind of normalized a little bit more too. So just keeping that in mind. Uh, okay, and then and then if I can just get your your own take on the whole Reddit debacle that happened this year, uh, what are your? I mean, I don't even want to ask anything specific, but like, what was what was your impression coming off of that? What did that What did that reveal about about things in your world? Mixed emotions, but I I would say personally, I see it as a, a as an opportunity, right? That and and we watch this especially within Ticker that the assets that are tied to online brokerages grew 50% year over year. So it, it was at around 8 trillion last or the year before. And then a year later, it's 13 trillion. I think it's even north of 15 trillion now. So there's, there's a, a lot of interest in investing, understanding those capital markets. So as it relates to Reddit and Wall Street bets, and, you know, maybe some of the, the vocabulary that they've got there, you know, diamond hands and you know, all the, the kind of the fun stuff, let's say, I think you really got to couple that with, again, going back to buying what you know, right? The, the Warren Buffett strategy. And, and I guess looking at it more long-term focused as opposed to, you know, I'm going to go all in on GameStop and I really hope it, I, ho I really hope it goes somewhere, right? I, so I, I, there's definitely some learnings that I'm sure that have been had by a lot of the Reddit, Wall Street bets individuals and a lot of money that was made and, and lost at the same time too. But I think the, the fact that it's attracting so many new people to the space and just, again, maybe demystifying to a degree the capital markets, I see it as a positive, right? And, and really there's always puts and takes, but I think uh, on a net basis, it, it's a positive for just again, empowering people to, to make their decisions as it relates to investments and, and maybe not relying wholly on your 401k or 
whatever the case may be, but really doing the diligence and trying to understand, you know, what, what are some investment opportunities and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to take a flyer once in a while and maybe make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. But in the end, ideally you've learned something through that process. For sure. And I, I think, I mean, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but you're right. I mean, the way, it, the way that it revealed that these anybody's from Reddit can just kind of come in and like, you know, take, take control to an extent, you know, it just reveals like we, you people can get into this if they don't know much about it yet. Um, this yeah. is an opportunity for them. So, and maybe why I like it, because it really democratizes Wall Street. I mean, all the powers held in the institutional shareholders' hands, the hedge funds. And I don't know, maybe the, I, it's kind of maybe it's time to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, it says a lot about my personality, but I love to kind of see that little guy win and kind yeah. of just stick it to him once in a while. And, you know, they're not going to win every time, but it, like, let's be disruptive and really find out a way to make it beneficial to all. So, well, awesome. I mean, I think that's basically all that I have for you. I, I guess one question is uh, anything that we did not touch on that you really wanted to share, or, I mean, even if it's a little brag moment about your career, um, any aspect of this you wanted to talk about? Um, not that I can think of. Maybe, maybe I'll leave you with one parting thought. So going back to ticker, so T-I-I-C-K-E-R.com, I encourage everybody to, to at least log on, register, kind of get familiar with the site, because again, that's a really good way to understand capital markets, some brands that are out there. You can even link your online brokerages and see what perks that you qualify for. So again, it's kind of like a shareholder loyalty platform, uh, but that might be a really good way to just at least dabble into who, who is a publicly traded company, right? And let me learn a little bit more about them. There's articles that kind of do like, hey, did you know these, these five outdoor companies are publicly traded? So I think it could be a good starting point, especially on the PR side to really get acquainted with uh, the stock market in general. Thank you. I'll make sure that's available. And I, I agree. I think, I think a lot of people will need that first step. Um, so that actionable step is a, is a great thing to have. Um, well, thank you so much for being on here today, Mike. I really appreciate it. I know the listeners can uh, really benefit from the things that you had to, sh you had to share with us. Um, I just really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and also to that, I mean, that was a genuine comment about, you know, anybody that wants to reach out or ask questions or talk through things would love to help. And so I'd, I'll make sure, you know, my email address is in there and, and feel free to hit me up when, if you ever had a question or just wanted to chat. All righty. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And as you go forward, just just keep in mind this this idea of investor relations and, and the things you've taken from today, because this is a very viable career for a lot of people. And a lot of people who have an analytical mind and haven't even touched in the finance world might find a great place in investor relations. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next time on PR Hangover.